the midst of going through what we're calling the M6 project, where we sit and we, we not only take in God's Word, but then we go out and do God's Word. And so last week we talked about treasures and storing up our treasures here. And we talked about the fact of going out and actually doing something missional this week uh, with, with our lives. In other words, whether it be time, talent, or our treasures and investing in other folks. Our life is to be given away. Our life is not self-centered. Our life is God-centered. And so if we believe what Scripture says, that our life is God-centered, then we believe the Word of God is truth. If we believe the Word of God is truth, then guess what? We're going to have to trust Him in everything that we do. So the last part of this chapter, the focus kind of shifts. We've been talking about communicating with God. We're talking about alms, and when we talked about prayer, and we talked about fasting and about how that brings that in. Then we talked about last week about treasure, about choosing. You can't serve two things. You can't serve wealth, and you can't serve God. So immediately the Scripture kind of transfers or or moves to the next step. So if we believe that the word of God is truth, and we believe and trust in God, then we have to have faith. We have to have faith that not only is he guiding our lives, but he is going to lead us in the direction in which we are chosen, or, or, or he desires for our lives. Now, remember we said that chapter 6 is about the intent or the purpose of the gospel. In other words, this particular chapter right here brings out things that gives us direction in which we're going. In other words, if we're going to trust in God, we got to know that God has a plan for our lives. And if God has a plan for our lives, he's going to see that through. There are times in our lives where we become um, disillusioned, maybe, or we get off the path, or, or we lose our Focus, which next week's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about finishing here with focus. But, but when we do this, our faith kind of wanes. When our faith wanes, we become weary and exhausted very easily when we're trying to do things. We become distraught when things hit our lives. And we can't take a lot of things on us and, and, and because our faith is not strong. So today as we look at this passage, I want you to realize and to see that for us to truly trust in God, we've got to be people of faith. And if we're people of faith, then all the other stuff that goes on around us each and every day, it's not anything that's going to bring us despair. It's not going to help us to lose focus. It's going to keep us grounded in who we are in Christ. So let's read these verses. For this reason I say to you, because remember, he just came out of one passage where he says you can't serve both God and money. So now he turns around and he says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor of your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. You see, when we lack faith, we lack what we need to be able to foundationally move forward in our life. So my question for you today, is your life about anxiety or is it about sufficiency in Christ? 
Because if we are focused on mammon, if we're focused on wealth, the thing that we just came out of talking about last week, if that is our focus, if that is our desire, then it's never going to be filled. We're never going to be sufficient. We're never going to be filled up. The only thing that fills us up is the Holy Spirit of God, God's presence in our life. When God's presence in our life is there and is being fostered and is growing, our life is filled up. I need you to understand what I'm saying here, though. When we all become believers and followers of Christ, we get all the Holy Spirit that we're ever going to get. The Holy Spirit is in us. Now, here's the deal. We put the Holy Spirit in a closet in our spiritual household. And we keep him trapped in there, and we let him out whenever we need him. The Holy Spirit wants to fill the whole house. It wants every aspect of who we are in our lives, and it has power, and it has presence in our life to show us and reveal to us what God truly wants, and then through the power and the presence of God in our lives, display it out of our lives to make us something that we can never be apart from God. The problem is, is that we keep it in a closet. And we're Baptist. We keep him in a shoebox on a shelf in the closet. We don't want to let the Holy Spirit out because we are fearful of the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Why do we want to keep God so boxed up so that we can carry him around and say that we have him, and then when a friend comes over, open the box and say, see here, here's the Holy Spirit in my life, I've got it. And then, but don't want to give too much of him, I'll put him right back in. Why is that? Because we don't believe in the sufficiency of God to take care of us. Ye of little faith. Our faith is not large. We believe in God, but then our faith is small. And that neuters us as believers and followers of Christ. It keeps us from multiplying ourselves out, and keeps us regressed in who we are. We actually hold within us the ability to do whatever God wants to. Do you realize that? The power and presence of God in our life is the same in every single person in this room. So we look around and we say, well, wow, they're really a spiritual person, and, they, and they're godly, and, and they're, they're amazing in their life. They've done so much with God in their life. No, what they've done is they've let God out of the box. That's the difference. You have the exact same amount of the Holy Spirit in you that I have in me. Now, we in the church sometimes today in, the, in, in Christendom like to think that there are some people who are more spiritual than others. And some people got more Jesus than others. No, nobody gets more Jesus than anybody else. Now, I will tell you this. Some people are letting the Lord out of their closet and he is filling their entire house. And that's what we see. And sometimes that makes us jealous why isn't God doing that in my life? My question to you is, are you willing to let God do that in your life? You see, anxiety over everything keeps us from seeing the sufficiency of Christ in our life. Is there anybody in this room missing meals? Anybody? I'm not missing any meals. And I'm eating a bunch of M&Ms between meals. There's, there is plenty in my pantry to take care of everything that I need. But I will tell you this, 
that I look in my pantry every day and I see four jars of peanut butter because tomorrow buys buy one, get one freeze at all these places. You know what I'm saying? So we don't get just one of something. All right. We get multiples of it. So there's like four jars of peanut butter. And I go, you know what? I don't really want a PB and J today. I'm going to Chick-fil-A. And then at the end of the month, I'm going, where's my money? Why, why is all this gone? Well, tomorrow has spent a bunch on PB&J that has sat in the refrigerator and in the closet and the pantry all week while I go out and I'm feeding myself lunch every day. And then I realize, hey, where'd all this money go? I had the sufficiency to take care of myself right there in my household. But I chose not to do it. Now, look, that's just an example with food. That's in everything that we've got. We think that we don't have this out of the other, and then we realize we got all this furniture, and we got no place to put it. We got four cars, and we're paying insurance on all of them, and there's two drivers in our household. You, you know, you know are, you, are you tracking with me here on some of this? We sit back, and we need to take an inventory of our life, and we sit here, and we go, I am so anxious because I don't have everything that I need to get through everything that I want. But the reality is it is right there. There's a misappropriation of it. And we just talked about that last week. We place our treasures in the wrong place. And then we decry God by saying that we're anxious about, Oh, Lord, how are you going to take care of me? I'm getting older, Lord. How am I going to take care of myself? If I don't have this job, I don't have insurance. I don't... This is our life, squawking back at God. What does Jesus say to us? If you're truly going to put your treasures in heaven then you have to place your sufficiency in my life. If you place your sufficiency in my life, you will not be anxious about all these things. About all these things, I'm going to take care of you. As I was studying this this past week, I got to thinking about Job. Have you ever gone and read the book of Job? In the book of Job, Job has everything. By the second, end of the second chapter of Job, Job has lost everything. The entirety of the rest of the book is about his wife and a bunch of friends who come over and they have multiple discussions. Job complains and whines. His friends complain and whines. His wife complains and whines. And by the end of the book, Job says, you know what? It's God and God alone. And then God speaks. And as God speaks to Job, God says, you finally got it. All your friends were wrong. Your wife is wrong. I got this. By the end of the book, we find out that Job not only has been restored what he lost, but in what way? Except kids. Twofold he gets back. And everything that he lost, and everything. So we have to realize that God is in the multiplication business. We are in the whatever we can do to get by business. And we are looking out for a numero uno. And in doing that, we heap all kinds of stuff on our life that brings us down. We're worried about a lot of stuff that's our own doing. If we're in debt, who put us there? If we got more than we can handle, who took it on? If we don't have what we need to get through... What, what's causing that? What's the reason for that? Know this. God has our back. 
God has our back. There's two things I want you to see. Faith, is it about anxiety or is it about sufficiency? Distressed is an uneasiness of mind caused by fear. Most of our anxiety and worry that's in our life are things that we fear. We're not worried about things that don't bring fear to us because we ain't scared. Have you ever noticed young men and young women entering into the workforce or entering into the world? Look, I want to tell you something. I don't know if y'all have ever seen this, but this is a short little story. So we got some real good friends at the church that I grew up in. So I came back from college, and when I came back from college, they weren't a part of the church for me growing up. But I was very athletic and involved in a lot of things. When, when I was in high school, I went away, played ball in college, and then I come back home. And, and we, tomorrow and I go back to my mom and dad's church, my grandparents' church, my great-grandparents' church. Been known there for generations. This man is there. He's an extremely good friend of ours now. He told me this story once in Sunday school. He said, first time I met you, I thought you were the cockiest piece of junk I ever met in my entire life. You were so full of yourself. Because when I was young, man, nothing, nothing going to bring me down. I wasn't scared of Jack. I would take a chance. I'm a risk taker. I would do it. It'd step out. There ain't nothing going to bring me down. I'm 50 years old now, and I'm going, oh, my Lord. I'm scared of everything. Where is that guy? Where is that guy that was willing to go out and do whatever needed to be done? In any way, shape, or that actually began to translate into my, my faith. I walked in one night and said, hey, Lord's called us to go plant a church. Let's pick up our entire family and move to the next county. Where are you going to get paid? I told her I was going to get paid. She goes, that ain't enough. How are we going to take care of this? My mom, who'd never lived out of the county, lived with us. And I was like, you need to go with us. And she was like, I don't know about that. But you see, I thought that I had it. And I knew it, and I knew exactly how it was going to be done. God stripped all that away from us once we moved away. He broke me down, rebuilt me up. Because I can do things in and of myself if I think that I have the confidence in it. There's no fear. The stuff that we are fearful of, we don't want to deal with at all. Is that right? But if you ever notice, that's the stuff that we dwell on. That's what brings anxiety and distress into our lives is the fear. Over and over in Scripture, God says to us to fear what? Not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. I am with you always until the end of the age. Fear not. I've got this. Scripture says this. James 1 Verses 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. We do that, right? Woohoo! Thank you, Jesus, for all of this. I really appreciate you finding me worthy and responsible enough to handle this. Is that how you respond? No. We respond, what is going on? Pick somebody else. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and the endurance having its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is molding and shaping us in our lives. We worry about all the wrong stuff. We worry and allow those things to get between us and God and cause us distress in our life. 
Philippians 4, 7 through 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let all your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God will supply all of our what? Needs. God will not supply all of our wants. Never says that. So when we dwell on life about what we want, it's not going to happen. It robs our joy. It robs the very thing that should be encouraging us and then allowing the Spirit of God which is in us to build up. The fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, Self-control. That's what flows out of a spirit-filled life with us. This passage right here that tells us not to worry about things is just mentioned love, joy, peace, all of that. But see, when we get our focus off on what we think we should have or what we want, then we lose focus. And when we lose focus, anxiety builds in our life because we don't have what everybody else has. You're not driving the car that your neighbor drives. That drives you crazy. Your house is not as big as the people that you work with. They make the same amount of money as you do or make a little bit more, and that all drives you crazy. And when we focus on that kind of stuff, it gets between us and God. And when it gets between us and God, we start living a life of distress. Now, I want to say this. Who brings that stress on your life? Ourselves. Who do we get mad at because we've got stress like that in our lives? God. <laughs> Susan pointed at Eddie. Yeah. All right. Now, think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. So much of the stress that we have in our life is self-induced. But God gets the blame. That hinders our relationship. So when that happens to us, and we start blaming God, we don't even take the box off the shelf anymore as good Baptists. We start piling stuff on top of the box in the closet. And we don't know if we're ever going to open that box again. Because it brought us so much pain and sorrow and disappointment. The truth of the matter is the only way we get out of this is to go dig that box out of the closet and open it up. It's the only way it's ever going to happen. The second part of this, distress is an uneasiness of, our, uneasiness of our mind caused by fear. Contentment is an ease of mind brought about through satisfaction.
The older I get, the more irresponsible I become. That's maybe not a great statement. Doesn't sound right, does it? I just want to lessen the amount of responsibility that I've had. The older I get, I just want to be less responsible for things. But that is so antithesis to what a life filled with the Spirit of God should be. If you're found faithful in a few things, God's going to give you more. So my life runs in direct opposite to what God really wants. God is wanting to give me more responsibility. He's wanting me, if I've been found faithful with what he's given, to have the opportunity to give me more. And my whole life is about, get this off my plate. I don't want to deal with this stuff anymore. See, there's discontentment here that's running in my soul. God wants contentment. He wants me to be satisfied. My mama used to tell me all the time, you're never satisfied. No matter what we do to help you out, you're never satisfied. I always thought when I was young, I thought, that's a great thing. I will achieve amazing things on this earth because I'm never satisfied. I will keep moving forward. Now the older I get, I'm going, my mama saw right to the middle of me. I cannot be content. If I cannot be content, I'm never going to figure out, never going to see what God really was wanting to do. I'm always looking for something else instead of thinking about what I got. I have an amazing wife and three amazing children. To this point, none of them have ever been in trouble. Just wait. And I'm going to preface this that I know about. I mean, how many people with three kids can sit there and say that a lot? I mean, it's been amazing how God has blessed us and taken care of our family. And I go, whatever. I've never wanted for anything. He's met all of our needs, no matter what I made. That's an amazing thing. But I go, whatever. Because I keep having this thing in my head that affects my heart that says, there's got to be something more for me, right? There's got to be something else. It's bigger than this, isn't it? Contentment brings about the power of God. Because when we are content with what God has given us and responsible with it, we talked about stewardship last week, when we are content and a good steward of what we've been given, then God is going to bless that. Because he cannot bless our mess. And if we've created it and we have all this anxiety... He's not going to come along and just check off and say, it's okay, Tim. It's all right. This is what he says. 
In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So if I'm not content, I'm going to be tempted to do it on my own. I'm going to go get what I want. When I go get what I want, the thing that I lusted after, when that has been conceived in my heart, it is going to bring forth sin. When it brings forth sin, it is going to lead to death. We just studied today about King David in Sunday school. King David gave hold to his lust. His lust brought forth death. Oh, Uriah the Hittite. Yeah, he ended up dying. No, it killed his family. Members of it killed each other. It killed the nation. Because it ended up splitting. And ended up after all of that going into um, slavery. It killed it all. Scripture says that David is a man after God's own heart, but his lust got in the way. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, and then verse 19. Not that I speak from want. This is Paul. Paul was amazing at this. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am, for I know how to get along in humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having an abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. In Christ Jesus. You see, we pull verse Philippians 4.13 out all the time. I can do things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am man, woman, hear me roar. I can get it done. That's not talking about that. That's talking about contentment. It's the complete opposite of what we're thinking it's about. He just said, I've learned how to live with nothing and I've learned how to live with all of it. I've learned to be content in both of those situations because Christ can do all things if I allow him to strengthen me. And we pull that verse out and we put it on the top of, and it was on locker room. I mean, it was back in when I was growing up. You could actually put a verse on top of the locker room. and stuff. You know, it's that kind of day. And that's, you know, football. People were, this is my life verse. It's misinterpreted. It's about being content. It's not about you being stronger. The stronger you get in and of yourself, the more you need to be broken. And the last thing is this. My God will supply all your needs according to his great riches and in Christ Jesus. God's going to get it done. Not you. God's going to grow this church. Not me. God's going to transform your life. Not me. Not anything else. Not money. Not a relationship. Not anything is going to change your life but God. So guess what? 
go to the closet, take out the box, and open the lid. And let him fill your house. Let him be in charge of everything. How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to be this? That's the wrong question. The right question is, God, you got this. What's it going to look like? And then when he starts putting it together, you need to get out of the way. Don't put the lid back on the box once you let him out. Let him out and then get out of the way and let him loose. That's when you will truly become what God wants you to be. Now look, that's a faith, huge step of faith. God is calling some of you right now to make huge steps of faith. I don't know what that looks like for you. We spent the whole summer praying, fasting, focusing on God. Now we're talking faith. Don't tell me that this week your faith will not be tested. It will. Some of the families in our church have had their faith tested already this week. Before we even get here. And it is mountainous things. Stuff too big for all of us. But it ain't too big for God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, I thank you again for your word. And I thank you for your power and your presence in our lives. I thank you for the fact that, um, Father, when we allow you to be in control of who we are and, and what's going on, it turns out so much better than when we try to do it. And Father, every time we think that we're right, we're wrong. Unless we have sought you and have seen you move, then we know we're right. But Father, then at that point, it's not about us, it's about you. Lord, I pray for every soul that is in this room, no matter what age they are that you'd be a blessing in their life this week and that they will allow you to be a blessing. I pay for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I know you're there. But Father, I pray that we will let you loose. Lord, we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for what you're going to do in our midst, for things that we don't even see or know about right now. We know that you are our God. And if we will have the faith, you will move mountains. These things we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.